John 16, one verse out of Philippians 4 tonight, and talking about the area of joy. Joy should be something that flows from our lives. Uh, talks about in uh, the book of Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit, and that's just evidence that the Spirit of God is in your life, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and love. It says, against such things there is no law. It's just naturally what is to flow out of our lives. And as we think about joy, joy is a byproduct of walking with God, not circumstances alone. And, and so anyway, let's look at our, turn with me to John chapter 16, and so we look at verses 20 through 24, and then jump over to Philippians 4. I ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you'll rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you receive, and your joy will be complete. And let's jump over Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, Father, we need you. Father, we need to walk with you. And as we walk with you, others will see you. It's really that simple, although it's hard. Because we're a weak bunch and we tend to stray from what we know is right. And we tend to hang out with those who aren't in agreement with you. And it pulls us down. And we forget the joy that should flow from our lives. And So I pray that tonight as we take a, a few minutes to look at joy. I pray you work in our lives, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, remember when I first went to college. There was a girl who... Uh, would lead the music when we w uh, were in Christian gatherings at the school. We called it Christian Student Movement in instead of just BSU, Baptist Student Union, to try to include others that just weren't Baptist. But I can remember this girl, and wonderful Christian lady, young lady, but she drove me nuts. And the reason she drove me nuts is she always had this plastered smile. And it was like, if you don't have that plastered smile all the time, then you must not be walking with Jesus and you're not spiritual and, and, and you don't have it together. And, you know, ah, I can remember she'd come up to you and, and just, why aren't you smiling? It's like, I don't want to smile. I just don't feel like it at the moment. But you see, joy, Christian joy, it's deeper than just a smile. I'm not saying there's not a smile, but it's deeper than a smile. 
I thought of Proverbs 17.22 that tells us a cheerful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And it is good medicine. But the joy that God brings is just deeper than a smile. Deeper than a mere laugh. It, it's deep inside. And joy, you know, it, as you think about fruit, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Um, anything with gardening, you know, you have to deal with weeds and you have to deal with different kinds of disease that come in plants and you have to deal with the bugs and all these factors. And we have to deal with factors too that take our eyes off of God and, and, and that turn to that tend to turn us away from Him and that causes pain in our lives. Whether we just jump into despair and pessimism or, or we have our doubts. But God wants to draw us to Him. Matter of fact, the, the very word, Hebrew word for joy, it means to leap or to, to spin around with pleasure. It speaks about a celebration. But it's a celebration that's not based on circumstances. It's not based on what's going on around you. It's based on what's going on inside of you. It's based on a confidence that's unshakable that God is with you and that God will not forsake you and that God will guide you through it. It doesn't mean that there's not those times of loneliness or or those times where you're down or you're depressed. But there's a trust in God. And joy flows deeper than just the circumstances that you face. And and I want to look tonight, first I want to look at three joy busters. Three areas that often keep us from a life of trust in God that produces joy in our lives. In Galatians 4.15, in the New Century Version, the end of that verse says, Where is that joy now? And that's a great question. Is the joy of the Lord in your life? Um, a couple of months ago, I called a good buddy of mine. I think I mentioned this before in church, but I hadn't talked to him in a while. And we're pretty close, but you know, as time goes by, sometimes you just don't talk. And so I called him and I started having a little bit of pity party. And you know, the problem with the pity party, nobody wants to come, you know? And, and so anyway, I was just kind of sharing some stuff. And finally, he said to me, I, he said, Todd, I don't really know what to say that can change any of this stuff. But I can say this. The one area of my life God is working with me about is to let his joy flow out of my life. To let others see that joy. That I have a confidence that regardless of what's going on around me, there's one inside of me that's promised victory. And you know, that really hit home with me. You can't see but so far ahead, but all we need to be able to see is far enough ahead to take a step with God our Father holding our hand and guiding us. Um, Anyway, let's look at several of these. First one is unsatisfied expectations. (laughs) You ever feel like you're just going through the motions instead of walking with a master? And you have these expectations and you think, well, if that person would treat me like this then things would be like they're supposed to be. Or if I made this certain amount of money, or if I had a car like that, or if I had a home like that, or if I had a job like that, or whatever else, 
I don't have it. But if I had it, and there's this sense of unmet expectations that rob us of the joy that Christ wants us to have. Because ultimately, by saying that, we're saying, God, what you have provided is not enough. What we say without realizing it is, God, I'm not really trusting you right now. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 4.12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I think it's significant that in the scripture here, he calls contentment a secret. It must be a secret because there's many of us that are discontented. But the contentment comes in the factor, hey, I've learned that God is worthy of my trust. God is worthy of my confidence even when I don't feel confident. I just need to hang on and trust him. And here's the beauty of hanging on to God. My grip is weak. His is strong. He holds on to me and he doesn't let go even when I can't hold on. A second one is unresolved conflict. Our joy uh, evaporates when we let bitterness take root in our lives. First, there's an offense. And when someone offends us and hurts us, you know what we love to do? We love to nurse and rehearse it. You know, he hurt me. He hurt me. So, you know, so I'm going to just pity. And then you rehearse it. What's that mean? You tell everybody about it over and over and over. Two of my favorite verses are in Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. And um, in those verses, the scripture says, Make every effort to live in peace and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So there's a call to us to make an effort to be set apart. And then he goes on the next verse, verse 15. He says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. May we not miss his love poured out fully to us and get bogged down and miss it. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, what happens when you, when you have an offense and, and, and then it takes root and then you nurse it and you, you rehearse it and you miss the grace of God and it not only hurts you, it hurts other people. It spreads and it defiles many. It just can just dampen the whole spirit of God's people. We're called to come here and worship Him. And when we worship Him, a joy just leaks out of us. But when there's a bitterness in us, it blocks God's intended joy. It hinders, it grieves his spirit. The, the third one here is unconfessed sin. It's when we rebel against God and we just refuse to agree with God about where we are. We want to argue with God, we want to rebel against God, and we want to hold on to um, what we want to hold on to and not listen to him and ultimately, it causes us pain because you don't break God's law and not get hurt. It's just like I can say, I'm going to climb up to the 12th story of that building and jump off and no problem, I'm going to fly. But there's one problem. There's this law called the law of gravity and I'll go splat. And when we go against God's law, we go splat because he is the one that is in control. And we step out of his boundaries, it's not safe. 
in, in this joy. We lose our joy. David talked about this in Psalm 32. Turn with me in Psalm 32. He wrote this ancient song and he was broken. God got a hold of him. He was dealing with some unconfessed sin and God got his attention. Listen to these first five verses. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he talked about this heavy pressure that was upon him. But how by trusting in God it was lifted. He forgave not just the sin but the guilt of his sin. And you know, the devil is an accuser. He accuses, beats us up day and night. And God said, I want to take away that, that accusation, that, that guilt that beats you up. And then he closes it in verse 11. He says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all you upright in heart. Singing comes from joy that comes out of our lives. As I, hey, we're focused upon him and, and the blessings that he provides. And, and so just some questions here in this section. You know, look, are there unsatisfied expectations that rob you of joy in your life? Is there some kind of conflict, some relational conflict that is keeping you from where you need to be with God and is hurting you and the other people around you? And, and then thirdly, are you under conviction? Because there's simply something God will not let you off the hook. He says, I love you too much to let you off the hook. I want you to deal with this area in your life. So that our walk will be as I want it to be. And, and so God works in those areas. In Psalm 51 verse 12, he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, David said. And so now we'll look at some, some joy builders, some areas... Uh, when we walk with the Lord, that he builds joy into our lives. Billy Sunday once said, he was an evangelist, the trouble with many men is they've got just enough religion to make them miserable. If there is not joy in religion, you've got a leak in your religion. May God plug up the leaks by his spirit. Uh, Let's look at some of these. Uh, Recognize God is joyful. God is not the big joy zapper. He doesn't want to spoil all our fun. He doesn't want us to be miserable. He's not looking to hit us with a lightning bolt when we step out of his plan. That's not God. God is a God who is righteous, but he's a God of joy. Listen to this great verse in Zephaniah 3.17. It's just amazing when you see the joy that God has in relationship to us. Listen to this. The Lord your God is with you. Now, that's good news to begin with. He's not against you. He's not trying to spank you and beat you up. He's with you. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Then he goes on. It says, he will take great delight in you. Now, just think about that. Is that nuts or what? Almighty God, the awesome creator, said, I want to delight in you. Me? 
Really? That's what he said. Next, he says, I will quiet you with his love. Sometimes we get afraid, we get worried, we get broken, we get depressed, we feel rejected. And he says, you know, my child, I just want to quiet you with my everlasting love. Good news. Then he closes it with, he will rejoice over you with singing. He's going to sing over me. Really? What a thought, guys. This is what he says he does for those he loves. And he loves you. He loves me. Listen to the Living Bible. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it's the Lord himself exulting over you in happy song. Man, what a thought. He's not out to zap you. He's out to joy you. I love Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Just like my friend was trying to share. We just have an inaccurate view of life. When we begin to understand God made us, God loves us, God wants to free us so that we can walk with Him regardless of what's around us. We have one who is the victor in us. And we need to see clearly. We just lose sight and we get distracted and, and, and we miss it. Um, second here, rehearse God's attributes in worship. As we begin to think about who God is, as we begin to worship Him, as we begin to offer our praise to Him, something happens in us. Praise means the heart boils over when you really begin to take a good, honest look at God in His majesty. The heart boils over and joy comes out. The Westminster Confession states it this way, Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We have been designed for that. Listen to Psalm 66, 1 through 4. Shout with joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. As you begin to look at God and all of His glory, you also begin to understand that you're precious to Him. Listen, this is Psalm 28, 7, the Amplified. You know, takes the verse, makes a paragraph. The Lord is my strength and my impenetrable shield. My heart trusts, relies on, and confidently leans on Him. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise Him. That's what happens, man. He... He does that work in us as we praise Him and look at His attributes and begin to think about Him. Third, reaffirm your commitment to others. Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. When we worship God, we become connected to each other. I have a friend of mine, he talks about church. He said, I don't have to go to church, but I have to go to church. Church is not just the building that we meet in. Church is when the people of God begin to understand that we are vitally connected through the Spirit of God. And that we don't only need Him, we do need each other. He has woven us together for His work, for His purpose. And the joy of the Lord, part part of that being revealed to us is through one another. 
as he does his work, as he has us on mission for, for what he wants to do, he's, he's at work in, in that connection that's through us. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 25 and 26. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Joy comes as it's shared. Christ shared. All right, next one here. Reignite your passion for evangelism. There's something wonderful that happens when we begin to see people as Jesus sees them. He talks about in uh, Matthew 9, I think it's 9, 36. Uh, he says that Jesus said he looked and he saw the crowds and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. When we begin to see people that they need God, we need God. It's not that we don't, we all need God. And we just see them as just hurting people that, that need to know there's good news of the gospel. And when we have an opportunity to, to let God do that work through us, it provides a joy. It, it gives us a, a comforting joy within us. Of course, we have that opportunity to have to give a plug next Sunday night and instead of meeting here and encourage you guys, uh, we have a couple that we've invited to come and we're going to take out to eat in Abington. And then I think they're actually going to start the crusade. They're, the crusade, they're they're bringing it in, you know, through the internet. Technology is amazing. Showing it on the screen there in Abington Cinema of Greg Laurie, the evangelist in Dallas, doing one of the Harvest Crusades. But uh, I encourage you guys to do the same. If you know someone who doesn't know Christ, take them out to eat in Abington. Then take them to the cinema. That, that, that's our plan. So they hear the gospel. And I think they're having Casting Crowns and some other group that will be singing before Greg Laurie speaks. But, but the point is that there's a joy in that. And, and, you know, let, let God work through that. In, in Luke 15, you know, what a chapter. You got the, the lost sheep, and the shepherd goes out looking for that one lost sheep, and it talks about how he picks him up, puts him on his shoulders, and as he walks away, uh, he says, I found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me. There's a rejoicing. Then there's the lost coin, and, you know, goes this search of this lost coin, and there's a joy when that lost coin is found. And then, of course, it closes with that awesome account, that awesome uh, parable of, the lost son, the prodigal son. It's really more about the loving father that's waiting for that lost son. That comes. There was a joy from that father when that son came home. And there's just a real joy when God is able to use weak people like you and me to advance his kingdom or to touch lives. It, it provides a joy within us. Uh, John 4.36, he says, Even now the reaper draws his wages even now he harvests for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together to sing you birth. And then, release your problems to the Lord. You got problems, I got problems, all God's people got problems, right? Yeah, we know, I know. But isn't it great to know that we have a God that knows too? I love Psalm 68, 19. It says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. God wants to carry the load. 
He wants us to place our trust in it. And we can release the load to the Lord. And there's a joy that comes with that. And, and I know, because I'm this way too, guys. You give it to the Lord and you take it back. And sometimes you feel like it's, you know, catch, give, catch. But may God give us the strength to trust. I love it in Acts 16, um, you know, it gives, uh, it tells us about Paul and Silas and, and they've been telling people about Jesus and they've been beaten up and they've been thrown in the prison. And, and it talks about the prayer time. The word that's used is not a prayer request. I mean, you would think that it'd be a prayer request like, God, get me out of this jail. God, I'm hurting. God, I've been beat up and I didn't do anything wrong, but talk about you. God, why am I here? But that's not the kind of word to choose. It's, it's not a request pleading or begging for God to do something, but it's the word for praise. Matter of fact, it says they started singing praise songs to God. Not because of what happened to them. They said that it was just a joy to be called worthy to suffer for their Lord. Man, what an amazing work that God did in that as they gave their problems to the Lord and as He worked in their lives. Matthew Henry, uh, many of you, he has a little uh, commentary of the Bible many of us have used. And in Matthew Henry's writings, in one place, he talks about a time, he lived in the 1700s, when some thieves robbed him and took his wallet. And, you know, at first he was really upset, of course, but here's what he wrote about it. This is great stuff. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it's not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. There's a joy that can be found when we look to the Lord. Second Corinthians 7, 4, he says, In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. And James 1, 2, he says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And lay those burdens of the Lord. Uh, one more here. Remain close to Jesus. You see, the, the fruit of the Spirit comes not through labor, but through trust. And... Someone has said, joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts announcing that Jesus is in residence today. I just got thinking about fruit. Fruit doesn't grow on a tree because it works hard. You know, when is the last time you heard fruit grunting? You know, stretching, growing, coming out there because of that effort that's going through the fruit. No, that's not how it works. Fruit grows because it's connected to the source, to the vine, to the tree. And the result of that connection is growth. As we remain close to Jesus, we grow. It is the connection that brings the joy, not my effort at being joyful. It's looking to Jesus that brings forth the joy in my life. This is John 15, 10, and 11. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
staying close. <laughs> it's not straining, but it's walking with him. 15.4 says, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Boy, this world desperately needs to see people walking with Jesus. They need more than happy people. They need people that have a deep joy. That can only be explained outside of me. And actually, I guess it should be explained by one who lives in me and in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think my friend was on to something when he said, what we really need is to let the joy of Jesus flow out of our lives. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for your word as we have discussed this issue of joy. We are a weak bunch. You know it. We act tough, but I don't think anybody's impressed. I know you're not. But I am grateful that you are a God who loves us. And that out of our lives flows love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's, it's not forced. It comes from you. And I pray for all of us that you might do a type of work within us that you flow out of us. That others might see you. That's the mission that others might see you, and that that might happen here among the Kingsway crowd, that we might fall in love with Jesus afresh, and that there would be joy. Uh, I don't mean to be irreverent, but maybe even a giddiness about something special. Sometimes it just becomes common, and you are anything but common, Lord. Do your work within us, and, and Father, I, I don't know where, where everybody is tonight. Only you know that. And So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to get a hold of our hearts as we have an altar. Maybe some need to come to pray at this altar. Maybe some need to just start thinking about doing that, that inventory. You know, what's in my life? Is it joy or... Gloom and doom. A cheerful heart's good medicine, but crushed spirit, it just fries up the bones. We don't want to be a bunch of dried up bones. So, Father, give us that cheerful heart. And, uh, Lord, um, maybe there's someone here that just needs for the first time to say yes to Jesus and to find a new life and forgiveness. That happens just by being honest and saying, Jesus, enter my life and forgive me, give me a new start and in your strength, I'll turn your direction and walk that way till I'm home with you in heaven. Father, just do that work and we'll trust you. So as we stand and as we sing, may we come as you call us. In Christ's name we pray.